Good morning and welcome to the Rabin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Rabin, so get ready to get triggered. Hello and welcome to the Rabin Report's Season 8 premiere. I'm your host, Elliot Rabin, and with me for the first time this season is partly, uh, uh, pretty much, my new expert panel, uh, Amara, Samuel, and Jordan. How are you guys? Good. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. Good to be back. Excited. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been it's been a crazy morning, but that's what, that's what happens when you have a season premiere. Uh, before we begin... All opinions expressed are not those of Ryerson or Ryerson faculty and are only those of the individual commentators. So we've got some big news this season, uh, starting, of course, with our new panelist, Jordan Pines. Jordan, tell us about yourself. Uh, hi, super excited to be on the show. My name is Jordan Pines. I'm a fourth year politics and governance student here at Ryerson. Uh, a little bit about myself. I'm openly gay. I have been since I was in grade 10. Uh, I would say politically, I lean more NDP, but I would say I have some more liberal tendencies. Uh, I do a bit of stand-up comedy on the side. I actually had the pleasure last year of being named one of CBC Comedy's top 10 amateurs in stand-up in 2019 with CBC Next Up. That was awesome. And I guess the last thing about me is that I love more than anything else uh, reality TV, as I have bothered the panel with during most of our meetings. Uh, and yeah, I'm just super excited to be on the show. Awesome, and we are so happy to have you. You're definitely going to bring a new perspective to the perspective to the show, and that's what we love. Looking so, forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so the other piece of good news is that we are now available everywhere. So did you miss the Robin Reports live show? No problem. Now you can catch up on all past episodes on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and of course Spotify. Of course, you'll only be able to see our live expressions and reactions, facial features over here on Facebook uh, and little clips on Instagram. But if you're driving to school, doing some homework, doing some other work, now you can listen to us anywhere. Now, coming up in 15 minutes, we'll be talking about our main topic, which is the coronavirus. But first, let's take a look at our weekly recap, starting with Ryerson severing ties with the RSU. Amara, I know you're a big fan of this story, so <laughs> let's, let's give it to you. What do you think? Um, I'm not bothered by it at all. I think that a student government is important, but the RSU has had many scandals in the time I've been at Ryerson. Um, obviously, the big scandal with Ram Ganesh, but also this year there's been scandals with money as well. And I think it's clear that um, something needs to change and I'm not bothered by that. They're spending our money. So. Uh, I could not agree with you more. I think uh, what the Ryerson Student Union has proven time and time again is show as giving students complete access to funds with no supervision whatsoever is only going to lead to a misuse of funds and most of what we've seen so far, which is a lot of stuff happening under the table, very shady stuff that, you know, if you are going to have a student union, you want transparency. You want them, you want to be able to see what they're doing with your money. And the RSU showed they're not responsible with it. And I, I don't blame Ryerson at all for what they're doing. And considering how much money they have access to, um, and the fact and the low participation in terms of voting and, and running, I, I, something needs to change clearly. Could not agree more. I was a pretty vocal critic of the RSU as well uh, on Facebook, which got me a lot of flack. But 
uh, I guess I'm proven right. But even I was surprised about the announcement that they were just completely severing ties, really, on, on a dime. They waited right until the um, announcement that they were launching a police investigation, the RSU's announcement. And then I think within, was it even a day? I th- I think, yeah, within they, a day. They canceled the contract. And uh, their RSU is suing Ryerson with Two our point money. Something? Yeah. Million? Our money. So yeah. like, the RSU doesn't really have a leg to stand on, a fair leg to stand on, because they're upset that the that Ryerson left and now they're suing for Ryerson breaking an agreement even though they broke an and agreement with the students and they're using of our course. money. And Ryerson it's not like Ryerson doesn't want there to be a student union. They're they've encouraged students to form a new one and we're I think voting for the way that we want the new student government to work. So they clearly do support the idea of student government, but the current RSU is just insanely corrupt and I don't know how anybody could really argue against that. I really think that the best way to move forward is definitely forming a new student government because I think student activism and student government making decisions for the students is incredibly important. But I just think, you know, these are still students. It needs some sort of supervision element, whether it's a professor or a volunteer or some type of out figure with some experience who can come in and provide some sort of just some oversight to make sure things are run properly. I think that's what's needed to start a new RSU and make it a lot better. Yeah, Sam? Uh, I'm just... Something mentioned of viewers, whenever you see someone carrying water for RSU online, um, usually on Facebook, if you look at their profiles, they're almost always employed by the RSU or tangentially, uh, you know, working for them. Just a, just a thought. People saying positive stuff about them online? Yeah. Like those are the ones? It yeah. basically reminds you of those like Amazon company like Twitter pages that are like, I love working yeah, for exactly. Amazon. I'm very happy. And then they're always some it sort just, of corporate person for it. It just makes sense. If you're not benefiting from the RSU, if you don't work for them, I don't. I haven't met anybody who thinks who has a favorable opinion of the RSU yeah. that doesn't work for them. The question I have with our Ryerson severing ties is what happens to all the money that we've given to the RSU so far? Do we get that back? Do we have to continue paying uh, fees to them yearly? Or like, I'm confused. Well, I am sure we'll have to pay, or not us because we're graduating, but the people will, students will still have to pay fees to the new RSU. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure what's going to happen to the money that the RSU has currently because... Yeah, I'd love my money back. Personally. It'd be nice to sort of like a little, little like paycheck for all the students, yeah, a little check in the mail. <laughs> Come on, guys, show your goodwill. Give us the money back. Ram Dinesh got you know a lot of money. A lot so, of money. <laughs> you know, we should get the money that we it's, paid back. It, 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 it's just unfathomable. How do you spend seven hundred fifty thousand dollars just within a couple That's months? That's a lot of money, right? Like when you know. think about it, it's so much money. Uh, it's and how anyway. did like. Nothing like no like what is the limit on the credit card like nothing you know there were no like, red flags okay. raised with that much money it's almost a million dollars. I think it's also hilarious that he, that he went to debt consolidation and used that same money to pay for the debt consolidation. I it's it's a mess. Ryerson's student union is a mess, and I would agree with all of you that it's it's great that we severed ties uh, with the RSU. Now let's move on to our next story, which is the continuation of Trump's impeachment trial. Um, At this point, really, everybody's sick and tired of talking about Trump, but we do have to mention it because it is in the news. So what do you guys think? Is he going to be acquitted? How long is this going to go for? What are your takes? So the um, House impeached him, but he has to be, the Senate has to vote to remove him from office. I mean, as far as I know, the Senate is majority Republican. They're not going to I don't think they're going to remove him from office, but... um, I mean, from the information that's out there, it definitely seems like he's done what he's been accused of. And as far as I know, that's an impeachable offense. So unfortunately, the partisanship of American politics is going to make it so that another president gets away with committing a crime because he's the president, which is pretty undemocratic and unequal and violates the rule of law. So, 
Yeah, uh, just piggybacking off of that, I think one way or another, this is going to set a gross precedent, either in the sense that there's going to be some sort of retribution for this, which I don't think there will be, because if Trump was going to do something that truly bothered the Republicans in the Senate, I I think it would have happened already. I can't see what he could do now that's worse that would make them be like, oh, we need to get this guy out of office. Like, I think Republicans have said that they don't care if he breaks the law. They don't care if he goes against uh, his oath as president. I may have just made that up. But um, <laughs> basically, and if he does get fined, like they do go through with the impeachment, I hope that it will create a, a further president. Precedent, not president. I hope it will create a further precedent that presidents can't get away with doing whatever they want because of the president. But I just, I don't think it's realistic that anything's going to happen. Politics is a team sport nowadays, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I think there's just a general uh, fatigue with, uh, you know, the removal of Trump from office, maybe on even both aisles, but definitely uh, along the right in the U.S. Uh, not, not even the impeachment. Let's completely ignore the whole Russia investigation that went on for a year and a half. But I'm talking about even the obstruction of his... Um, uh, executive orders by federal courts, or maybe not executive orders, but the things he was he was proposing. So I think people are just tired of it, and they want they want progress, and they want you know his his agenda to be pushed forward. Uh, and yeah, he's not going to be impeached in the Senate. Uh, he has like a ninety plus approval rating. Any Republican senator that uh, goes against him will lose his or her seat. So not going to happen. Yeah, I mean it's unsurprising that Republicans and right wingers don't want him to be impeached. Because he's a Republican and he has a right wing agenda. But I think it's just unfortunate that, you know, the law doesn't really matter anymore when it comes to politics. Mm -hmm. No one's supposed to be above the law in a democratic society. Here's my question about this. And I don't fully understand this. So if one of you could enlighten me on this. If they do go fully through with the articles of impeachment and fully remove him from office, can he still run in the 2020 election? I'm not sure. I don't know. I I would assume no. no. I don't think a president who's been impeached can run again. Like, who's been removed from office because he has right. been impeached, but I'm not completely sure about that. Because I think he's the Republicans' best chance of winning again in 2020, which is awful, but it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? I, I agree. Think, so I think that if he cannot run, like, they're definitely not going to move from office already, but if it means that he can't run if this happens, then there's even less yeah. of a chance. I know what you mean. <laughs> like, less than zero. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, we're obviously going to have to see what happens. Uh, how the trial goes for another couple days, one day... I, I'm not sure. I feel like I, it's been going on forever. Yeah. Yeah. I it, mean, there's a lot of dis- issues with like obstruction of witnesses and evidence and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, at The Rabbit Report, we're going to keep updated about it and we're going to keep you updated about it. But let's move on to our final story, which is uh, Holocaust Memorial Day, uh, 75 years since the liberation of Auschwitz. Uh, it's, it was a very somber uh, but important day. Many world leaders from many countries gathered at uh, Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp, and they had a uh, ceremony there. With the rise of anti-Semitism now, what, uh, what can we do? Even on the day of Holocaust Remembrance Day, there was a synagogue defaced in Finland. Um, there were attacks on other people, uh, on, on Jewish people. So what, what can we do? Because clearly... There, there's a rise and Holocaust survivors are saying that they're worried about it. Jordan, what do you think? Uh, not to relate everything back to Trump, but I do think this has a little bit to do with it, especially the fact that people have realized in recent years that they can commit acts of hatred in broad public daylight. And 
almost essentially get away with it, except for a few people on the internet being upset about it. So I think that as people see this general hate rise in society, people, because I believe if people have been anti-Semitic and showing these opinions, this isn't new. They've always had these opinions. This is just them now realizing they are allowed to say it now and they can't get in trouble for it, which is almost ironic in a world that we're having to police more and more of what we're saying about free speech and how we're able to talk to people that we're, people say like, we can't say anything. No, but no, no, no. People are still getting away with saying whatever they want, doing whatever they want, no matter what group or what group it puts at risk. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, I think it's interesting that there's, uh, you know, people are complaining more and more about political correctness, but it seems that forms of racism that we thought we got rid of are also rising. I think that's interesting. And um, I mean, we're Canadian and all have gone through the education system and we know about um, how the world kind of treated Jewish people during the Holocaust and I guess the regret and the guilt that a lot of Western countries carry and I think it's interesting you know um, especially considering what's going on with like Muslims in China we've definitely heard about that during the Holocaust it was a lot more difficult obviously for information to be spread and we have firsthand reports of Muslims in China being treated very similarly and it's um, unfortunate that it seems like the Western world is going to once again ignore atrocities committed by other countries against religious minorities. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah, it's uh, honestly I'm at a loss of what to do because I mean obviously for me in Jordan it's personal being Jewish. Um, so, but obviously people of other other minorities and other other groups can understand racism and and the feelings experienced. So I just I just hope that we can have a better future and we can learn from the mistakes of the past. Uh, but now to our main story, the coronavirus. According to WebMD, the coronavirus is a kind of uh, virus that causes an infection in your nose, sinuses, or upper th- or upper throat. Generally, coronaviruses are not dangerous. Most spread the same way other cold-causing viruses do through infected people coughing and sneezing, uh, by touching an infected person's hands or face, or by touching things such as doorknobs that infected people have touched. In the U.S., coronaviruses are more common in the fall and winter, but anyone can come down with a coronavirus infection at any time. Some types of coronaviruses, though, are serious. In 2003, 774 people died from a severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS, uh, outbreak, with a huge portion in Toronto. In, the, in uh, early 2020, following a December 2019 outbreak in China, the World Health Organization identified a new type 2019 novel coronavirus. This strain of the coronavirus is believed to have originated from a wet market in Wuhan, China, and the belief is that the virus may have jumped from the animals to humans. Wet markets are places animals both dead and alive are sold in close capacity. Having now spread to over 15 countries, there is a growing concern around the globe that this virus will be out of control. When the Chinese government claimed that there were approximately 1,000 confirmed cases, a whistleblower nurse posted a video alleging that there were 90,000 confirmed cases. Pictures and videos circulating the media showed the area of Wuhan like a ghost town. 60 million people are under lockdown, and a hospital is being built as we speak to accommodate the rising amount of infected people. There's a lot of anxiety and confusion surrounding the issue, and on today's show, we'll try to get to the bottom of things. As a reminder, we are live on Facebook, so make sure to comment on our feed to have your thoughts read live on air. Guys, are we in danger? No. Not even a little bit. Potentially. (laughs) 
We're but always potentially in danger, though. Yeah, no shit. Well, I think so. <laughs> of course, if when it's you, obvious, then when you say obvious. are we in danger, like we as Canadians, no. I'm sure there are people who are in danger because it's obviously affecting some people. But I believe in the, this scenario, the outcry is worse than the actual disease. Is the human race in danger? <laughs> is this another plague? I don't think so. I doubt it. Well, I, I read this thing that uh, it, it was uh, 1920 had a plague. Or sorry, 1820 had a plague. 1920 had a plague. And now it's 2020. Mm, I, so. I, I, correlation does not equal dun, causation. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, Sam, let's focus on why you think there's, uh, there is, there is a, a problem. Why are we in danger? Sure, there's a couple of things. Um, one is the, I guess, the speed that the in the, the drastic measures that the Chinese government um, took, uh, which you could attribute to them trying to save face with the outbreak of the SARS virus in the past, and they're not, they don't want a repeat of that. But the measures they took, I saw online were very drastic. They amounted to, I remember seeing, they dumped, after the uh, containment, sorry, uh, they dropped uh, dump dump trucks of dirt on the major highways to block uh, vehicle traffic. And to me, that seemed like a very effective, but very haphazard and kind of last minute thinking, which kind of lends to the idea that there might be some kind of general confusion or uh, crisis behind the scenes in the government there. Um, also, I'd like to point out, yeah, it's almost, would you say 60 million is the number of people quarantined? Yeah, 60 million. That's an extremely large number. That's uh, double the population of Canada. And you have to think about that. It is in a smaller area, but that's a huge amount of people. Also, the uh, the deadliness of this particular strain of coronavirus is magnitudes more deadly than uh, the common uh, influenza virus that we see, you know, is mentioned a lot. Oh, it kills so many more people. That's true. But... The potential is there, like the potential for anything, but it still has to be understood and has to be mitigated, like you mitigate risk. Uh, so that's why. The the uncertainty of the authenticity of the reporting by the Chinese government, uh, the drastic and quick haphazard measures they took, and uh, the potential that it is more deadly. Well, just today, the World Health Organization announced that with the spread you know, to over, I think, 20 countries now, um, they're declare, they want to declare an emergency. So with the World Health Organization wanting to declare an emergency, would Amara and Jordan, would you still say that it's, we're fine? I, like, uh, like it's been mentioned, it's obvious that there's always the potential for danger. Like you said, every hundred years, there's been a plague. So is a plague possible? Of course. But I think when you actually look at the numbers, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to panic. I'm not really sure why people seem so committed to the idea that we're you know, like the human race is at risk. And I also don't understand necessarily what we as individuals could do. Obviously, world governments can do things. But um, aside from like washing your hands, we're, um, using hand sanitizer, wearing a mask, which is actually not that great for you. I'm not really sure what you could do to prevent the spread of the illness. So I don't think panic helps anybody. I also think that while the numbers are high about who's been infected, who's been quarantined, we need to look more at the specifics of the numbers because while there are some cases of severity, which of course does happen with a disease like this, a lot of these cases that have been reported have symptoms that are honestly no worse than the common cold. And I believe that because of that, those numbers are all added together to make it seem like it's very, very high. But if you look, I believe I was reading it this morning, I believe the number of people actually with a severe, severe case of coronavirus where they could be in danger is just over 2,000, which, which while still a lot in the grand scheme of things is such a small 
percentage of people that I think our online media culture has just been blowing you out of the water way more than it actually needs to be. I agree. Like I'm looking at this, um, a new study published by the Lancet Medical Journal. Um, so they like looked at 89 or sorry, 99 cases of uh, the virus and the Wuhan hospital or one of them. I don't know how many there are. Um, and the average age was 55 years. So that's not elderly, but I also think we need to be um, cognizant of who's more most at risk. Um, and it also says that, out of that, um, 49 of them had been exposed to the seafood and animal market. So I think um, obviously it'll spread further from them, but I think that we need to just be cognizant of who's the most at risk. Well, even in terms of spread, uh, yesterday uh, I have the CDC coronavirus live uh, global case map. And yesterday, as I said in my intro, it was over 15 countries. Uh, it was, I think, about 17, 18. Now we're at 22. So within the last 24 hours, it's spread even further. And I don't know, I think that there's cause for concern because it's not like a regular flu. Even though um, you mentioned when we were having our discussions about topics to choose for the show, you mentioned that more people die from the common cold, the flu. But in this case, I think it's a little bit different. Wouldn't you say? No, it doesn't seem like the symptoms are too different. And of the 99 that I mentioned before, 51 of them already suffered from a cardiovascular or cerebrovascular disease. So I think, again, we just need to be cognizant of who's the most at risk. And uh, from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like it's that different than just the regular flu. It's also a important thing to add as well. A lot of countries have shown signs of people being affected. I think we need to look again a little more detail about what's not being shown is that while many countries have had it, it's not a huge percentage in a lot of countries outside of China, as well as is it people who necessarily have a coronavirus or are people who are showing symptoms similar to a coronavirus and due to the mass panic that's been spreading, it's being diagnosed this way. Yeah, I think the number of countries that using the number of countries that have a suspected case is kind of uh, ineffective in showing the, the, I guess, how bad it could be because if there's just one or two cases, they could be presumptive and, you know, in a week they find out that it's not that. And we have to say that it does have a one to two week, I think it was the official a number, one to two week incubation period. So along that time, you could have the virus, show no symptoms whatsoever, and also spread it, which I think is a distinction from the normal influenza. Um, and I think the uh, what should be understood is that, yes, the influenza happens usually around every winter time once it gets colder. But our, our system is built to, you know, anticipate that amount of people that get infected and possibly die. But if there's a new virus that's completely different, I don't know if our system, I hope, to, I hope, I hope so, uh, has the capability to, you know, take that blow. I also want to mention, uh, we mentioned the other diseases. So I, I have this graph here. It shows how over the course of number of days since uh, an outbreak, they tracked the number of people that were infected. So the, the Wuhan virus, or the coronavirus, at this moment in time, has more infected people than the SARS virus had at the same number of days post-outbreak, and the uh, swine flu virus uh, had, uh, I guess, aff afflicted people. So it is growing in the sense that it's faster exponentially than the other two uh, you know, Chinese or Oriental viruses you can think of. Um, so, just some facts. Yeah. Well, interesting. Um, uh, so, would you guys say that you're taking more precautions than usual when it comes to this virus, or are you just treating it like it's a common cold? Um, 
the I, common cold. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll agree. I'm just I I I wash my hands and I use hand sanitizer uh, fairly often, not all the time, but pretty often, and I'm still doing that. Um, I've made yeah. zero lifestyle changes since this disease <laughs> yeah, has happened, and unless some serious new information comes to me, I doubt I will make any more changes at all. <laughs> I made some changes, but I realized that they're probably things I should have been doing anyway, like not touching anything in public transportation, using hand sanitizer all the time. Yeah, I think it's more of like if you're the steps you need to take to avoid the coronavirus are called personal hygiene. And if you're not already doing that, that's kind of on you is my personal thoughts on this. I would 100% agree with that. Like people who, you know, don't get the flu shot are like freaking out. And it's like maybe you should take some steps to protect yourself if you're that afraid of well, I don't know if the, the flu, the normal flu shot affects this yeah well because there's, no, no, there's no known solution <laughs> yeah the, uh, my point was that the flu kills uh, tens of thousands of people in north america every year so you'd think that somebody who was like freaking out over uh two cases i think confirmed in canada would probably protect themselves against something that's um proven to be more deadly i mean uh, personally i would say that i'm i'm taking so you guys are taking more no i'm not, you're not i haven't changed anything, you're not though. but you are sam yeah um jordan you I have made taking? zero lifestyle no. changes. Okay. Well, I have made a lifestyle change with Sam. I refuse to take the TTC now. Uh, I will be driving downtown. Lucky every you. Thursday. Not everyone can do that. That's, I think that's, I know, yeah, that's a personal that's, privilege. That's a, well, yes, I'm I'm lucky in that sense, but it is a change that I've made because I, 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 I can't get sick. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get this well, disease. Well, it's not. I, you'd be a lot more likely to get the flu or a cold on the TTC than this disease because the people who have it in Canada are quarantined, um, as far as we know. But as far as we yeah, know, you're going to be possible to spread. But I do think well, I don't know if it would spread outside, like through a quarantine. But there, it's possible that other people in the country might have it. Well, These are all maybe yeah. two week incubation period, right? So mm-hmm. you, other people could have it, not even know. Yeah, but I also think whether whether that's a necessary precaution or not, it does show how class divide does affect when we have uh, public illnesses like this. Because it's great that you have the option to take this up, not take subway. I definitely think it's important that if you feel that you could be at risk of that, don't do it. But there are many, many people who don't have that option whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And if it becomes more serious, that's a huge portion population that is now at risk of possibly getting infected because they have to. Again, I don't necessarily believe that we are at risk, but if it comes up, I think we'll start to see how classified starts to play a huge impact on that. I think it's also just being aware of your actions. So if you don't need to go out, then don't go out. You know, that's something that everybody can do. Right? I would, I would I think, disagree. Yeah, I would yeah. disagree. I think if you that, don't, no, but if you don't need to go out, if you don't need to go see a group of friends, you don't have to go see them. Yeah, I think right? that fosters um, hysteria and panic. <laughs> I mean, well, okay, but the, I think that's it fosters. What the Chinese government advocated that people in, in those China. Yeah, those yeah, 60 million. Yeah, not in Canada. Million, yeah, that's I what know, I'm saying. 60 yeah. million people. So the, in China. Theoretically, yeah. you could never leave your house and live in a bubble and you could remain safe from and never diseases. get sick or get hurt Be exactly but, but i think that um, it's not necessarily living that, a lifestyle yeah. no i think that fosters hysteria i don't think there's any um evidence that canadians need to not leave their homes um no. out of fear for the virus so i think that would be a, a um overreaction to what we've what we know so who's to blame for this cause i mean uh, the reports say that it's come from the wet markets in china is it specific people? Is it uh, a big portion of the population? What What do you guys think? I don't think anybody's yeah. to blame. I don't think anybody contracted the virus and spread it on purpose. Mm-hmm. This isn't a form of biological warfare. Yeah, so I think it's... Uh, I don't think anyone's to blame. And in, I mean... As you could assume, there's people who seem to be now suspicious of all like vaguely Asian people. But and, I think that's just thinly veiled racism. Oh, it definitely <laughs> is. But I think that um, looking for somebody to blame fosters things like that. And I'm sure somebody who would be uh, suspicious or confrontational towards uh, somebody who they think is Chinese 
is probably not going to be able to tell Asians apart from looking at them. So mm-hmm. I don't think that, uh, like I said, I don't think panic helps anything. And I think the panic and hysteria is just causing all of these side effects that don't help anyone. I do think it's unfortunate that it happened to originate from China because it does give an excuse for people to just be more racist towards Chinese people. I guarantee you if the disease originated in Canada, if it originated in America or a white part of Europe, that people would be like, well, who knows where it comes from? We can't necessarily blame the place. But because it's coming from a place where there's already a lot of racism towards anyways, it becomes an excuse to blame those type of people can you, when they're more so victims than anyone else. Can you think of any, you know, last mentioned 100 year diseases? Can you think of any you know, big pandemics? The Spanish influenza. 100 years. You said in the last 100 years. Yeah, that was in 1915. I'm sorry, five sorry, years 95 years. It's a, it's a rough oh, margin to yeah. get. <laughs> Gotta get your numbers right. Yeah, I'm so sorry it was off by five years. And what uh, does that mean? If there's so there's no diseases that have come from Europe in the past. Sure. In the past 110 years, there are, but not in the past 100. <laughs> and that's really important. So yeah, what is so, the point of that? So uh, because poor countries tend to have poor infrastructure to deal with, you know, viral or bacterial outbreaks. Um, that's just that's not racism. Just fact. You have a no poor... one said anything about racism. We were just talking about racism. But I'm not sure what that has to do with um, yeah, like there are no poor European well, that's countries. My point. Yeah, they are. So what does that have to do with, you said that there's no European, like there's no influences. And again, there are in the last 110 years, but not yeah. the last 100. So mm-hmm. what does the European point have to do with that? You you made a point about European countries, yeah, yeah. not about rich countries. Because it has to do with whether a country's developed or not, which is where more likely an outbreak would occur. But again, I was, I'm asking what the European point has to do with it. Because there's a lot more developed countries in Europe than there are developed countries in East Asia. But there's like Africa's a continent. There was Ebola. Yeah. So I'm just wondering like, the point should be about developed, developed and developing countries, not necessarily about European and non-European countries. Okay. I'm just saying there's more developed countries there, so there's less likely there would be an outbreak. I, I, again, I think that's the correlation is with the developed, the, the status of the development of the country, not with the Which a lot of them happen to be of in Europe. That's the only point I was making. I never mentioned ethnicity. I said Europe. You implied it heavily. No, I, don't, I think that's your own... Uh, I, 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 I think to pretend that Europe does not imply European is ridiculous, <laughs> personally. Oh, there's a lot of people of color that live in Europe. I said, I didn't say there weren't. Okay. <laughs> I said Europe implies European. I think you're using European. your own presumptions here again. I'm not. You can try let's, to flip it, but I'm not. Let's stick to what everyone says. <laughs> let's keep presumptions aside, because what's important is not to assume anything of anyone. Uh, so, do you, because you think, Amara and Jordan, uh, because you think that this shouldn't be worried about it no problem uh should travel be okay like it shouldn't be avoided i, I would... think you should avoid travel to Wuhan, the quarantine yeah. <laughs> city in china um other than that no mm-hmm. i think you can definitely do a little bit of research before you're traveling and obviously if there's an area where it's been heavily infected maybe don't go there right now but i don't think it's enough to cancel any plans and even if even if it has been infected a bit like do some research look where you're staying don't go to specific places where there's been a high frequency disease. It's very easy if you are worried about this to avoid it. So the United States um, government completely in, uh, advised against traveling to China altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think was, Canada did the same thing. Right. So take caution, I guess. Don't don't travel there. So would you say don't travel there or travel anywhere? Because, I mean, looking at the list, China, Macau, Taiwan, Australia, Cambodia, Canada, Finland, France, Germany, all of these places have cases. Yeah, I guess it would be the concentration of the cases would would have been the factor that they decided would have been, you know, the travel advisory. So that's really the only place that you would say, that you would all would say not to, to travel to. I don't think I'd yeah. travel anywhere among the list, mm. just in general. Like I wouldn't travel to Mexico. You wouldn't go to Australia? 
Australia has one case. It's exactly. You said you wouldn't go anywhere on the list. Yeah. Sorry. Was that not, it's not relevant to the discussion. I'm just curious. No, that does continue. <laughs> well, personally, I wouldn't go to Australia either. But Why? Australia is lovely. Yeah, it's too hot. <laughs> I like the cold. Siberia it is. But moving forward, uh, so do you believe that the coronavirus is worse than is being reported? Do you believe that uh, whistleblower nurse has a point? Do you believe they're being truthful? Do you believe the Chinese government is being truthful, untruthful? So I think there's a lot. Um, I don't think it would be completely unreasonable to admit, like not to necessarily completely trust the Chinese government. They've not, you know, they've given us reasons to not trust them in the past. You were just mentioning the, so, the Uyghurs they have in exactly. education camps. And that's, so, they don't have the best reputation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks. Uh, I think that, yeah, completely, there's a reason not to trust them. But I also don't necessarily think that there's accurate evidence to believe that there's 90,000 cases. I, the nurse didn't really provide any evidence for that. She just said, I'm a nurse and there's 90,000 cases. So. Could have been anyone. It's, yeah. And I mean, did it's... you count 90,000 people? Like, I'm not sure how you got to that number. So I think you can definitely, I think, safely assume that there might be more cases than China's reporting. But I don't know if you should believe a random nurse who filmed a video and said she was a nurse. I also think, piggybacking off of that, that in today's culture, with uh, how fast information spreads over the internet, you're going to get reactions in quicker time than you ever would in the past with other outbreaks that might have happened. So because of that, in the past, you would have had to wait to hear about a newspaper, and you wait to see someone to talk about it. People have more time to process and to react and to form their own opinions about it. In today's culture, the minute you see about it, you do a quick Google search online, and you have every single person's like listing their reaction one by one by one. Whether it's intentional or not, it helps form your opinion. And people online love to overreact about things. Like They love to jump to conclusions. They love it. And whether you're trying to or not, you're going to have your opinion formed by that. And you're going to usually have a worse reaction than you necessarily would have before the internet culture. And people like media sources are aware of the internet culture. So they're trying to get stories out as fast as possible, mm -hmm. which I'm sure doesn't lend itself to very accurate vetting. And no one wants to read a story that's like, it's not that big of a deal. No one wants to worry about that because that won't generate views for the newspaper. Yeah, exactly. like that. They want stories being like with shocking headlines that you need to be concerned. And if you really, you read the article through... It's not that you need to be concerned. It's just a catchy headline. But the, the sad news is most people don't read past the headline. Well, let's actually, in terms of opinion, look at what our poll opinion is, the overarching opinion. We actually asked uh, our Facebook viewers the same question. Do you believe that the coronavirus is worse than is being reported? Sam, what are the results? So 24% said, yes, this is SARS 2.0. And 76% said, no, stop panicking. And how many people voted in total? So 51 people voted in total. Okay, it's a pretty pretty decent number. Um, so generally, 70% uh, believe that it's fine, just like you guys, uh, whereas uh, the other 30% would, I guess, agree with, with, with Sam and myself. On that note, you guys would say this is not SARS 2.0 then, right? Mm, no. I would say it's not SARS 2.0, but um, SARS killed less people, like I've said, than the flu kills every year. So... Um, I mean, if it's as deadly as the flu, that would be worse than it being SARS 2.0. Um, I also think, like, the polls are a reasonably small sample size. It's hard to necessarily gauge a public reaction. Hey, hey, hey. 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 Well, hey. It's true. <laughs> it's, it's core. It's cause it is. You can't, 75% of a 50-person poll 
does not necessarily indicate public reaction. Of course not, but this no, is this our is, audience's say, yes, point of view. Which is a very valued... It makes me feel very good, valued. that the viewing don't, audience... Don't trash our let audience's let me, opinion. Let me retract. I don't think it was trashing <laughs> no, 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 it. Let me retract, actually. What I was saying is I'm very glad Lisa, the viewing audience of the Rabin <laughs> Report has, at least what I view as a sensible opinion the on the matter, opinion. to not overly freak out. I'm just saying, just because our viewers are reasonable in this matter does not mean the rest of the world will react to such said a that. calm. Breaking I, news. All Canadians <laughs> think sorry. 2.0, run and hide. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think if we're going to look at polls, we need to look at larger polls. It's just my opinion. Of course, when we're talking... Okay, well, we're going <laughs> to... Hold on. We're going to stay here for a second because it's very important for our viewers to be able to voice their concerns and nobody ever mentioned that this is the overarching opinion of, of course Canada. Not. Of course but not. But we ask the question so that our audience can have a say in it. So I think we have to respect what they think yes. and whether or not... We don't use this poll to judge all of Canada but we have to respect their viewpoint. I agree. I just think we should take sample size into effect when we're discussing it. In, just in sure. general conversations, but in this case, we're talking specifically about our Facebook poll. Okay. So, uh, what measures are being taken by Canadian health authorities to deal with this threat to Canadians? So, they quarantined the, I believe, two people in Toronto that uh, were symptomatic, which means they have symptoms that are expressed. Uh, and then they contacted, the Canadian government contacted people that were in a vicinity of those two people in recent time. I guess that was their immediate family and people that were on the plane ride that I, I believe came in directly from Wuhan, but I, I might be incorrect with that. Mm -hmm. um, and then in Montreal, I heard about that case briefly and I haven't really heard it in the news again. So I really don't know. But yeah, general quarantine among the symptomatic people and the people that might have it, the asymptomatic people, uh, they were contacted. And I don't know what ha happened from there. Mm -hmm. Well, in terms of, so we're obviously generally doing this, doing things right and protecting our citizens. But uh, Sam, you and I were actually talking about this before the show. Uh, and I'll open it up to obviously Amara and Jordan. What do you think the Canadian government is doing or should be doing about Canadian citizens stuck in Wuhan, China? Uh, I think the best thing they could do is fly them over on chartered planes. I don't know if that's feasible, if that's been done before. And then place them in immediate quarantine in the best possible facility. Uh, I think that they have an obligation to do that because uh, they're Canadians. What about people with dual citizenship? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If, I, I agree that you might think like if they lived in China their whole life, but if... I'm someone in China and I have Canadian citizenship and I'm seeing Canadians being flown out of China. I'm going to say, Hey, I'm a Canadian. Get me out of here. Like, yeah, but the, <laughs> the, uh, the condition would be that you'd be put immediately into quarantine, like in a medical facility in Canada to be tested just to make sure you don't. Yeah, absolutely. That's and then reasonable. Health, I think if, you're, if they're flying you out there, you got to take the, yeah, that would absolutely be, but do you think people who live in China with dual citizenship would get access to this? Do you think it'd be fair? Or yeah, do you think Canadians. they'd be less? Oh, even if they've never like lived, like they were born in Canada, moved to China, you still think they'd be allowed? Well, to if be they want, well, they're not. We're not forcing them out. If they're Canadian citizens no. and they want to leave, whether they have symptoms or not, I think. Well, I actually, I believe if they had symptoms, probably the Chinese government would want to hold them. But, mm -hmm. but I think this mm -hmm. is limited to people who traveled there, got 
yeah, in the mix of the virus. Uh, I don't think it would. I don't think the because they did send a plane mm-hmm. um, to Wuhan. I don't think it is for people who have lived in China for twenty odd years, but they do have Canadian citizenship. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to be accepted to hop on that flight. Mm-hmm. Um, but should they be? Uh, I don't know. I think it will definitely cause at least a media outcry if they're left behind and they're vocal about it because some people may think that I'm equally as Canadian as a person even if I don't live in Canada. I have my citizenship. Why am I stuck here when they get flown out? Fair. Amara, what do you think about this whole situation? Um, I think it's unfortunate for the people, especially people who've like traveled there. Obviously, no one knew this was going to happen. Um, I think... The idea of chartering a plane and quarantining them back in Canada, I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, I think that would be good if Canada's not willing to do that. Um, it, I just think it's really unfortunate for them. Mm-hmm. Bad place, bad timing. Like it's Yeah, really, very it's bad really, timing. It's really not a lot more than that. Well, I mean, Canada obviously canceled all their flights. They started with flights just to Beijing and, and Wuhan, and now they canceled all their flights to China uh, in the next little while. How is this affecting the Chinese economy as well as trading partners with China? I definitely think if we haven't seen a huge impact yet, it's going to come. China's a major trading company, as far as I know. And I think countries are going to be, maybe not stopping altogether, but at least a little more hesitant about trading until they know. Because I think there's a lot of confusion still about where this disease comes from and how it spreads besides human interaction. So I do believe that uh, it's definitely going to, start to affect the Chinese trading market soon and not in a positive way. I think it's gonna, they're going to lose a lot of trades, at least reasonably soon. I mean, just looking at the stock market, uh, on Monday, uh, everything crashed because people were worried about the coronavirus. It picked up afterwards, of course, but uh, there was obviously fear in that. Uh, so you think that everything's going to be generally okay in a little bit in no, terms of the stock market? I think it's gonna. I think they're going to lose. I think they're going to go down, at least, because... We, like I said, people aren't aware completely. While it's been talked about how it's spread through hands and stuff like that, I think the general public is more suspicious than what they read online. And people are going to be afraid. At least major trading companies, I think, are going to be a little nervous about importing stock. And so especially anything that comes from animal products. I don't know how much of that necessarily we get from China. But <laughs> if anyone can comment <laughs> on that. Um, I just I, I can see people who receive, like, companies and stuff that receive stuff from China being at least hesitant of what might be contained within their merchandise. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I could see that. And I could see people in North America and j- just other countries being wary of Chinese products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam, being uh, a business student? Sure. Uh, I think you can you can attribute the, the initial uh, shock to the stock. Was it, it was the whole stock market in China, right? In the, uh, in no, Shanghai? it was just the general stock market, like New York Stock Exchange okay. fell, TSX fell. Sure. I, I think you could, de- uh, you could definitely attribute that to just uh, the initial hype or shock and people didn't know really any facts um there would probably be over time as is properly understood you know a more realistic change to the market would occur uh so buying the dip uh which probably a lot of people did because it went back up fair that's a that's a lesson for stock for the stock market and trading right yeah Yeah. buy low sell high well with all that being said what do you guys think the future of this virus is do you think there will be a cure do you think it's going to spread like wildfire do you think it's going to be solved within the next couple weeks maybe a month Uh, a lot of people are comparing what's going on now to the movie contagion because it originated from food malpractice or you know 
unsanitary food use and, and consumption, and then it killed Gwyneth Paltrow, and it spread to 2 million oh, people. No. Um, so a lot of people are saying that kind of the, the, the story is the same, but do you think that we'll be able to circumvent that and change the course of history? Well, I think our number one priority has to be protecting Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> at all costs. Um, but if I had to give my honest opinion about this, I think we're going to keep hearing about it for a couple more weeks in the news cycle. There's not going to be much more at least outbreaks here in Canada, and then it's going to slowly lose its place in the media cycle and we're not going to hear about it again. Yeah, I mean, if SARS and the swine flu are any indication, um, it's probably going to die out. I don't think there'll be a cure, but um, I don't think it's going to spread like wildfire, at least in Canada. Did you know the swine flu killed 500,000 people? I did not. Wow. I didn't know either. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Apparently, the number was once it w- was ended and the initial number, I think, was 21,000. Uh, but I read an article that said like you know, the range was between something like 250 to 560. But it's again, a pretty uh, big range. And also yeah. going like off... double. Yeah. It was in... I'm assuming so because it, it was in China and the numbers might have been unreliable. So it killed from 250,000 to 560,000? Yeah. That's a big so range. So you can't really say yeah. that it killed 500,000 people. The we number, don't know exactly I, I how saw many that number and then I saw a number, another ar- number cited in an article and that one only said 500. So. And I also think going back on something that Amara said much earlier in the show today, that looking at those numbers, we can't actually look at like what pre-existing conditions they might have had necessarily before that that might have impacted that number. Because I think... That number is not 500,000 people who were completely healthy and then got swine flu and died. That doesn't seem that doesn't seem realistic to me. Yeah, I think it's um, I think we should be very, very scared when viruses start making otherwise young, healthy people drop dead. I think the youngest was 30 something Um, was in uh, China. And for this, for the coronavirus? Uh, No, no, I was um, was a Chinese national in France, I believe. Doing like I I think you can, of course, point out one case, um, but. I think, again, generally we need to look at people's pre-existing conditions, mm. people with compromised immune systems, babies, and the elderly tend to be the ones that die the most from this. And I think I would start to be very scared when like, otherwise healthy people just get completely knocked out. I think that's when we need to be very afraid of an epidemic. But even saying that, if, like, I think the moves the Canadian government's taken, um, like quarantine, quarantining people have been pretty, like are pretty good and will probably be effective. Uh, something to note, I, sorry, Elliot. Uh, in Wuhan... Uh, there's a viral, virology virology lab, uh, the only kind in China, and they study viruses much like coronavirus. And I saw an article, I think, from 2015, where they were beginning to study highly infectious, in, in a medical, uh, uh, supposedly, a medical environment, they were uh, studying this coronavirus, which mm-hmm. is, you know, just influenza. But, right. interesting, the only such virus, uh, virology lab in China, and it's where it starts. That's not, you know, that's just a theory. This is interesting. Yeah, I think like the, you know, I've, I've read people saying that it was patented or that it was stolen from a lab in Canada. I think the, you know, conspiracy <clears throat> theories about foul play are really dangerous. And I think that especially makes people look suspiciously at Chinese people. And mm-hmm. I think that that's dangerous. And again, I just think it spreads this mass hysteria and panic like we're under biological warfare. And I don't think that that's effective for anything. Yeah, I think, again, it's just it's thinly veiled racism is essentially what it is. Like, I can't Has see anyone it. mentioned. No, not what you're saying. Okay. No, I mean, this people, these conspiracy theories essentially are excuses for people who already have a predisposition against people who are from Chinese uh, descent. Chinese government officials. Pardon? I, I, yeah, but if this, if that were the case, it would be people 
involved in the Chinese government or in that lab, right? That did it, but I'm but, talking I mean, about the hysteria spreading it. Yeah, like people, of people spreading, spreading it, it online. I mean, yeah. Chinese civilians. Whether it happened or not, that's up for debate. What we're just saying, at least what I'm saying, is that it, the people who are spreading it online as these mass conspiracies, it's usually them who are overcompensating for some sort of uh, racist tendencies that they might have. Would would you say that's generally what's going on? Because you look at, again, this nurse that posted the video. She's Chinese. I don't think she hates Chinese but people. We don't, like, what do we really know about this nurse that posted this? I mean, We know that she took a video, that she said she was a nurse, and that she said that there's 90,000 cases. Do but we see not, any she, documented in, evidence? Of, the, the, the video takes place. You can hear... Because like, I haven't seen this video. Yeah. But I want to ask oh. this. Is there anything in that video that proves that she's a nurse or proves at all what she's saying is accurate she's wearing nurse's garb oh my bad i'm so sorry well, she's wearing nurse's let, him let him finish let him finish i mean uh, interruptions have been happening all show yeah well you're interrupting I, me now so. okay. you interrupted so, me earlier so we're Shut gonna uh, okay so, so polite so, so again the rabbit report um <laughs> samuel excuse i guess right samuel so, like i was saying she has a nurse's garb on and she seems distressed which could be an act you know uh, and then there's background noise. It seems like people are yelling. You know, that could be edited in. But, yeah, that's a video. There were other videos that that surfaced um, about, uh, like, showing the quarantine tents being built, the hospitals being built. Um, and right now I'm not uh, v- verifying her claims. My question is, though, do you believe that the majority of people who – to Jordan – the majority of people that are – saying these conspiracy theories as as um as you said are doing it for the purposes of of masked racism or do you believe that there are a lot of people the majority of which are just generally scared about this i'm sure there are some people who are legitimately scared for no other reason that they're scared of diseases and that's a perfectly legitimate thing and i also let me just retract i don't think there's anyone being like well i mean there could be people going like ha 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 i'm being racist by making these things i think it's people who have racist tendencies who see an outbreak from china and now they start thinking this is the end of the world the chinese people are doing it i don't think they're necessarily trying to be racist on purpose but i think if it exists there already it will only be furthered by what's happening here if that makes sense interesting sam what would you say it's just uh i saw that uh i guess perspective in canadian media a lot it's just interesting that that's the immediate focus, like, oh, yeah, there's there's people dying. Racism. I think it's interesting that uh, we hear about a virus that's broken out and people immediately start being suspicious of just, like, random Asian people that they and see in public. Well, so that, I think that's, that's where the, talking about. That's the focus the comes from. Uh-huh. That. Of course, people are empathetic about people dying, but I think the idea that, like, we hear about this virus and there's two cases in Canada and now, like, an Asian person coughs on the subway and everybody's scared. Well, I like, think that's what they're talking that's about. A meme. Mm-hmm. Like, but it was funny. whether it's intended... I for mean, serious it's, it's being spread online constantly whether in the form internet memes are sadly become a way that people receive news online sometimes <laughs> like it's not a good thing but it happens and there are some people some uninformed people who are only getting their news from online culture online news stuff like that who are seeing all these things about chinese people especially chinese canadians and that will impact how you view someone's way. yes the dying people being infected it's horrible but that's not to take away from the excuse that it gives people to and, act like i, I highly doubt that somebody hold on we're gonna Oh, I highly doubt that somebody who thinks that, um, like, who would be suspicious of a Chinese or somebody that they assume is Chinese on the street, like I said, is going to be any educated enough or mm-hmm. even be able to tell the difference between somebody who's Filipino or Korean or, you know, Thai. 
Um, so yeah, I don't. I, I think that's where it's coming from that people are seeing these uh, attitudes spread. Just in regards to your point, Jordan, um, you said these people who are getting their news online are uninformed. Do you think that they're uninformed because they're getting their news online? I think uh, because a lot of news is consumed online generally. I do, but I think it's looking at what online. Yeah, I think Obviously, he meant like memes. And I mean, Twitter like people going through like Twitter feeds or Tumblr feeds or Instagram pages. Maybe not Instagram more so than anything else, but people who aren't getting from actual news sources that are doing journalistic evidence, but rather personal opinion and bias being presented as news. And I think that's an important distinction with getting your information from online. And the people I was talking about were the people who are receiving personal biases as news. Not to say that major news corporations don't show biases all the time, but I think it's a lot more thinly veiled that in uh, like Twitter and stuff like that. And it's also like um, if you're like if you're getting news from memes and like trending Twitter topics and tweets rather than like actual news sites. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with reading a news story online rather than a newspaper. But I think mm-hmm. it's the source that you're reading your information. Exactly. From. For sure. But a lot of tweets come from journalists, come from people within the area. Um, and I think news generally anybody anybody can be a journalist, air quotes, mm-hmm. um, because anybody can get their phone and report something. I mean, uh, you look at, for example, Six Buzz. Six Buzz on Instagram. A lot of, they actually report a lot of things before I see it. Did on, they on post media. that uh, that there were two people at Ryerson that had it? Was that on Six Buzz? Yeah, that was it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Yeah, I know it was first, edited yeah. and that was my point that yeah. there are, everyone can be a journalist with yeah. social media and a phone, but you still need to be aware of the sources you're getting your news from because while Six Buzz might actually qualify as journalism mm-hmm. and you, like they do disseminate a yeah. lot of news, they're not a reputable news source For and sure. things like that get spread. And then of course that's going to spread more panic. Yeah. And I'm definitely not saying that six buzz is my primary source <laughs> of news. Never. <laughs> but uh, Sam, um, it's interesting that you said about like Twitter and how breaking news sometimes uh, disseminates that way. It's funny. Whenever you see like a video, something just breaking news, like within the last 10 minutes on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, anywhere um, you always see journalists in the comments or in the replies, whatever it's called. Oh, hi, I'm from ABC news. Can we have your permission to use this? So I wouldn't say you always see that. I would say you see it in certain cases when they get a more firsthand story on that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but if there's like a breaking news, say there's a shooting somewhere in the U.S. and someone took a video with a their phone and posted it on Twitter, you'll see sometimes people saying from the news agencies, "Oh, I need the. I'm from blah blah blah. Can I use this?" So there's a. I guess there's um. I think that's crowdsourcing of, you know, information and current events, which is interesting. You're right. It's a recent development with social media. But I also think there's a distinction with what you're saying. Like that type of person using, wanting firsthand footage of someone who was there is a reliable source because they were someone who's now been proven to be at the event wherever this took place. If you're using the example of a shooting, someone who's there with a camera videotaping it is a very reliable source in this case because they were there with a camera and usually have evidence on footage. Going all the way back now to... You know, who had uh, the case in the video posted the by the nurse. Yeah, I, I can't say words. <laughs> the case, there's no discernible evidence, at least from what you guys are saying to me, in the video that proves that they were a nurse, stuff like that. And I think that's the difference is making sure if you are looking at news online and seeing some of it, it's having that discernible eye to be able to tell what is just online, not garbage, but what is online fabrication and what is online news coming from credible sources that either had some sort of relevancy to the situation or rather are just trained in journalism in the sense that they can report a story. Yeah, and that one video is the one that Elliot's talking about that the nurse said, oh, it was 90,000 instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there are other videos that don't, you know, specify, oh, I'm, a, I'm an official and this is the number. But there's interesting videos where people are just, you know, keeling over in the street yeah. and they're like, they have a tarp or something thrown yeah. over them and there's like blood 
you know, and people wearing a mask. I saw something interesting. Do I have time to mention it yeah, quickly? Yeah. Uh, in the periphery villages around Wuhan, uh, there was in these small villages, there were people with signs and then like swords and spears. And I, I got someone to translate. They were saying, uh, no outsiders. I guess they were worried that infected people were going to come into their village. And I saw a video, this guy in like a moped driving on a single road. These are small villages, you know, single road in, single road out. And he's driving up into the people, you know, guarding the village. And they have like spears and they're, they're pushing the guy away on the moped and yelling at him like, go away. We don't want you. I don't know. I hope that was not from this recent event. Mm -hmm. But if that's actually happening, I have no way to confirm that. I just saw the video and the people explaining what the signs meant. But that was, that was to me, really like surreal. Like people using medieval weapons mm -hmm. to push away people on mopeds. Yeah, I think um, all of the, you know, frenzy around it is just really uh, showcases how dangerous I think the internet can be. Um, mm -hmm. There's not a lot of context always. Like a, in a 10, 30 second video, you don't necessarily mm -hmm. know exactly what's going on. And Anyone can say that they're anyone, so I think we should just be uh, careful about what information we're getting and what we choose to believe. And that's where we're going to end the show today on that excellent note. That was our sh that oops. that was our show for this week. Uh, thank you to everyone that tuned in and that messaged us live on our season eight premiere. Jordan, how did you feel about your first episode? I had a wonderful time being part of it, and I'm looking forward to many more shows. Amazing. Uh, we are looking forward to many more as well. A brand new episode of The Rabbit Report will be coming to you next week, same day, same time, same people. Have a great day, everyone.